Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends. My name is Simon Miller. Welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. In case you're like, what's that weird buzzing or that weird noise in the background? I have a fan blowing directly into my face, so my poor microphone is getting absolutely destroyed as well because, well, it's like 78 million degrees here over in the UK to the point if you are working from your house, which I am doing right now, and you don't have some sort of wind being blown into your skull area, you just start sweating, or at least I do. So I'm like, how the hell am I going to get through the podcast? I'm like, you know, this one, I'm just going to have to put an asterisk next to it. And if it annoys you, you have the power to push stop and know that I love you and I appreciate you tuning in for the first 35 seconds of the show. We have a hell of a lot to talk about. I think we should start with Money in the Bank. That seems to be the big uh, the big kicker over the last few days. I mean, the return of fan is, fans has been the best things. You know, AEW rocked. Uh, WWE rocked. I thought the Impact crowd, even though it was a couple of hundred people, I thought they went out of their way to try and create some sort of an atmosphere. Because Slammiversary was a very good show too. Sometimes we forget to talk about Impact, but really good stuff. I thought Sammy Callahan and Moose and Moose and Kenny Omega killed it. Although Moose was great. Moose gets better every single week. Man, is that guy putting the putting the time in. The X Division match, the women's match, all of it. Really, really good show. But it was Money in the Bank that had most people talking. And that's because, of course, John Cena has returned to the WWE. Now, the coolest thing about it to me, like I was well aware this was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be at Money in the Bank, but I knew it was going to be at Money in the Bank or Raw or SmackDown because, you know, I'm a guy that works... Well, some people like to avoid websites and news stories. I don't. I go looking for them because, of course, it ties directly into my job. So there was just too much smoke. There's too much smoke without fire. So I was like, well, he's got to be coming back at one of these shows. But the cool thing was is that there was no announcement beforehand, like no proper, because usually WWE likes to promote this stuff in order to get the numbers, which makes perfect sense. But because of the way their business model has changed, e.g., they don't really have to sell pay-per-views anymore. And actually what they're trying to do is to get you to tune into Raw and SmackDown because that's where the big bucks are. They were able to surprise return him at Money in the Bank, which was a hot show anyway due to the crowd and everything else, and then tell you, oh, you better tune into Raw and SmackDown if you want to see him again. And some people even said that Raw sold a few tickets off the back of that of people saying, I want to see John Cena live. So let's not pretend he's not a massive draw because he absolutely is. But I, while there are certainly some negatives to the idea that we don't need to sell a pay-per-view anymore because we're creating content as opposed to promoting shows, that is absolutely one of the positives, that we can now use a Money in the Bank, a Raw Rumble, a WrestleMania, whatever you want, to surprise you and bring in people that you haven't seen for a while. And look, 24 hours later, we got it with Goldberg anyway. And again, that wasn't a big secret too, because <laughs> that was all over the internet as well. But the reaction that John Cena got... I don't think we can argue it anymore. He is, I'm not saying that he was as successful or he was even as popular, if you want to get into statistics and numbers. But in terms of where he currently sits in the WWE universe or the ethos of that company, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's John C- He's John Cena, of course he is. He's The Rock. He's Hulk Hogan. You know, he is... I don't think he reached the levels that those guys did for obvious reasons. But in terms of his generation of guys, he has reached that magical top tier that only a few do. And it really, really is only a few. Like, even if Bruno Sammartino would come back, I don't think he would have got that kind of reaction just because it was too stretched out. I mean, that would be, you know, a few generations on. That would probably happen to some of the guys I've just mentioned. But honestly, the ones that, the people we just went through, Hulk Hogan, of course, different today. Don't want to talk about it. We've talked about it on previous shows. The Rock, probably more than ever, because he transcended and became one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Steve Austin, to me, his popularity has endured because he got out. I don't want to say early, 
or too early because I guess it, it worked. But he got out sooner than you would have assumed him to. And John Cena has entered that as well. And Ric Flair is kind of in that bracket. But the thing with Ric Flair is a more power to him. He never wanted to go away. And absence makes the heart grow fonder. You do have to have that break in order to, to sort of elicit that sort of response. But I just thought it was awesome. And it just reminded me of how important fans are to professional wrestling. It was the same with Edge's pop on SmackDown and at Money in the Bank. If we had been getting those in the lead up to WrestleMania 37, I don't think we would have done any of this crazy stuff with the rated R superstar. Because as far as I took it, we were doing it thinking he may not get the reaction that <laughs> that we desired. I never understood where that idea came from, but it did seem to be a worry. And Roman Reigns was awesome too. Like Roman Reigns is a bad guy. Telling people to acknowledge him and just rocking around is fantastic. It, it's just great. And that, that was my main takeaway from Money in the Bank. Well, that and the fact that Big E became Mr. Money in the Bank. I mean, that was just... I, I thought they were going to go with Riddle because I thought the story was there. Because I thought they were going to go with Riddle and then Randy Orton turns on him and eventually Randy Orton becomes Money in the Bank. And the reason I thought that is because he's a guy that WWE put Money in the Bank on. Because while I like to think they understand how good it is to build stars, their track record is a little bit iffy-squiffy, so you need to be careful with it. But I, he, he was the guy. He was the guy. If someone had given me the book and said, Simon, you can plan what we're going to do at Money in the Bank, I absolutely would have chosen Big E. And as far as I'm concerned, and we've got a video going up on What Culture Wrestling soon, so make sure you check that out on YouTube and subscribe if you haven't already. WWE now has this incredible story that they can tell. And it actually even makes the Kofi Kingston-Bobby Lashley match mean something more as long as we follow up on it. Like, wins and losses, quote-unquote, don't matter as long as you know why you're doing them and you have a justification for doing them. And yes, we're going to talk about carrying Cross later, which is the absolute hyper, hyper, absolute um, counterpoint to this. I was going to say hypocritical, I think, so I just went hyper point. It's the hyper point to this. But if Kofi Kingston gets destroyed by Bobby Lashley and then Bobby Lashley goes on to defeat Goldberg, but properly beats him, I mean like no ifs, no buts, no maybes, no teases, which few people have done, if any, even his match with Brock Lesnar, despite it going five minutes, was a was an even affair. So if Bobby Lashley does that, he's destroyed Xavier Woods, he's destroyed Kofi Kingston, and Big E decides, well, now I have the power to choose which brand I'm going to be on, I have the power to choose which champion I'm going to cash in on, I'm going after Bobby Lashley, not only because I want to defend my friends, but also somebody needs to stop this guy, and I'm the person to do it. Then you take all the this magic that Bobby Lashley, Bob, has built up over the last year or so, or however long it's been. And not only do we put it all onto Big E, but he also cashes in his money in the bank and he's successful, always gets a big pop. I understand that you can't do the whole surprise thing because he's going to have to be a good guy and say, I'm going to cash on you in a week or two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. But we just did that with Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross. So we've still got that big reaction. And I think in terms of building the story and the narrative out and ensuring Big E can enter this main event scene and stay there, that's the way to do it. It just is. And I think it'd be really disappointing if WWE doesn't jump on that. Now, on the one hand, I hope this was the plan. But even if it's not, that's fine. Sometimes you can luck out and you can stumble into things. But it would just justify everything that we have seen. And I really do think it would give Big E the best possible start. As Because I don't want Big E to not to cash in the briefcase, right? And it's happened to what? John Cena didn't cash in. Baron Corbin didn't cash in. Uh, Damian Sandow didn't cash in. I'm probably forgetting somebody else. I mean, technically Otis didn't. But I think Otis is a great example here. Otis winning the Money in the Bank last year, I thought was great. I thought it was awesome. You know, was he ready for that spot? Arguable, but who cares? People liked him. People warmed to him. Let's do something with him. Let's put him in a world title match and see what happens. But WWE gets cold feet about that stuff because, oh no, he's not a star. He's not ready. I'm like, well, what better way to get him ready than to make him the world champion or at least put him in a number one contendership match? I remember when Triple H became the champion in like 99, 2000. He said, well, looking back, I wasn't really ready, but I was glad to get the experience. And I think we've kind of forgotten about that now. And also, who cares? Let's say Otis does become the universal champion. We do it for a couple of weeks and it sucks and we do 
do something else. All right, we'll bitch and moan about it either way. So who cares? But I don't want Big E to go down that road. I don't. I want him to have a successful cash-in. And I want to use this as a way that he's passed the... Not in a bad way, just the way it works. He's passed the IC Champions at the US Championship. Um, you know, he's in the category of, oh, he could win the Royal Rumble. He could be in a WrestleMania event. He could be a multiple-time world champion. I guess Seth Rollins would be a good example as well. Because, you know, Seth Rollins at the moment is playing the ultimate bad guy. But people just see him as such a huge star because of everything he's achieved and because he's been portrayed. And aside from a few occasions, he has always been protected as, like I say, a top super-duper star. So I'm very, very excited about it. And it also reminded me why I watch wrestling. Actually, no. I watch wrestling for those loud reactions we were getting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some wrestlers, myself included, would be like, you know, just give me the reaction. I'll dance around the ring and then I'll go again and that will be that. But when Big E did become Mr. Money in the Bank, it made me feel good. And it made me feel satisfied because a person that I've warmed to and a person, for whatever reason, I have an emotional connection to was able to do something that is going to benefit him in this make-believe world that we have created. And w, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times before, but WWE is a very heel-centric, bad guy-centric territory. Hence why, you know, Roman Reigns is the champion. Bobby Lashley is the champion. And these are bad guys that have to be taken down by somebody. And sometimes they're not taken down. And that's a massive shame. But the fact that even getting the briefcase made me feel that way, imagine you executed it in the, in the proper fashion and you gave him the WWE Championship. I actually do think we've had something here. And I, they'll be out there because they're always out there. You can't get away from them. But I haven't heard too many people say that they're against, excuse me, Big E winning at all. And I think that's a really good sign too. I think that probably underlines the fact that by and large, we all agree with this and we all want him to do well. I mean, what do we get out of him losing it, right? He catches on Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley beats him. I mean, what? We've seen it. We've seen it. And I love the fact that Bobby Lashley has had this extended title reign. He's deserved it. He's earned it. He's been fantastic in it. I think we've been able to take all the good stuff he did in TNA and, you know, copy and paste that across, which we should have done to begin with. Him and MVP, to me, I like Bobby Lashley. Bobby, what's going on with me today? It's like Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. I love the fact they're together and they play off each other so well. But he can lose. And he has to lose. Because if, you if you're building him up for nothing, why even bother? It's an absolute waste of time. So, yeah, I thought that was absolutely... I just thought it was excellent. I thought it was a great show. I think I gave it a, a, um, a, an overall golden up because I just like... I had such a good time. I, I enjoyed myself immensely and we had the surprise at the end. Usos winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships I'm also all good with. It's such a shame it's on the kickoff show. Don't understand how they see Rey Mysterio, but we're about to do something huge with Rey and... Uh, sorry, about with the, the family, Roman Reigns and the Usos. So you may as well give them the titles. Could have been better, I admit it. I mean, the Nikki Ash stuff, I suppose we can talk about now. You know, opening match on the pay-per-view, she cashes in 24 hours later on Raw, beat Charlotte. Ties into everything I just said about Biggie. You could probably make an argument if you wanted to be a real stickler that we should have let the character get over a little more first but hey man if the opportunity arises you know strike when it's hot and all that nonsense if anything this could help the character even more and fair play to nikki cross because you know she was a lumberjack around a ring of all of three months ago but she went away she came up with a new character she pitched it got in vince mcmahon's good books which as we know is the number one thing you can do in order to be successful and here she is is the women's champion and it was a great way to end raw again satisfying feel good the reason i tune in i want to be like oh brilliant brilliant you have to give me those kind of a moments you know, putting my critique hat on, do I think she's going to hold it for a long time? No, <laughs> I think, you know, I think Charlotte Flair will have it back before long as WWE continues on their desperate 
I don't even know what you put it there, desperate way to give her as many title wins as possible, which I don't care about, by the way. I think on a daily basis, people get in touch with me going, Simon, I can't believe WWE's having Charlotte win all these championships. Yeah, all right, who cares? I just don't care. It's a, it's a bit of a silly storyline. Yes, does she go through them too quickly? Yes, but I do think she's a tremendous competitor. I don't think she's there on name value alone. I think anybody would be beneficial to have her on her roster, even if she was called Charlotte pre-show. There you go. <laughs> That's the most uncreative name I've ever given anybody. So we'll have to wait and see, but I do think we may have a Kane scenario on our hands where this was done to pop a rating, make people feel good before we get back to whatever the story is. But hey, look, it did make me feel good. And in the crazy world of WWE, where sometimes you can finish a show and feel absolutely perplexed, I'll take it. AJ Styles and I must defeat the Viking Raiders. Thought it was a decent match. Can't believe we're doing it again next week on Raw. I think why I decided that we were going to hit some kind of creative reset button, I don't know, because I tell myself this all the time, but it's abundantly clear that we are not going to do that, and instead we are just going to keep repeating things. It just doesn't make any sense, because AJ Styles and Omos beat Eric and Ivar pretty clean at the pay-per-view. We then throw Riddle and John Morrison into the mix, and sure, Viking Raiders won, but they pinned John Morrison, all of a sudden you're getting a title shot. And I don't even mind that. I think it's just the fact that there's so many, well, there's so many repeats up and down the show. Like, the main event for Raw was Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, which we'd also seen at the pay-per-view. Then we're getting the pay-per-view match again next week. And these things, you know, it's the law of diminishing returns, my favorite catchphrase. But that is what will happen. You'll just get bored of the same thing over and over again. Much as if I did this show, you know, every hour of every day. After about three days, I'm bored of that guy's voice. And believe me, I know. I edit myself. So I'm well aware of how boring I, how boring I can get. We've talked about Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston. It's a wait and see for me. It sucks that Kofi Kingston has been in this position a few times now, but it is because he's so good at what he does. That doesn't make sense in any other walk of life other than professional wrestling. But because he is so good at what he does, WWE knows they can throw anything at him and he'll still come out the other end smelling of roses. It was such a shame, though, because he was so over. He got the second biggest reaction of the night, or the third, if we're including John Cena, but I think Edges was probably bigger, but who cares? That's like comparing apples and oranges. The point is they all got cheered like crazy. He wasn't on Raw, neither was Xavier Woods, so I'm intrigued to see what we're going to do with them. I assume we move them away from Bobby Lashley MVP now. Hopefully we come back to it, but if it does end with Big E winning the belt and that's the storyline, then it works. That's what wrestling should be. Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley had a terrific match. As you know, Charlotte Flair won here and she loses it on Raw, but arguably the match of the night, that or the men's money in the bank. I mean, it was so, so good, which is another thing that I think we need to remember when we are taking shots at all of these people. And it was a decent ending too, you know. Was it a little bit dominant? I suppose you could say yes. But it just doesn't feel like Rhea... I don't know what they're going to do with Rhea Ripley now, actually. I was going to say, it doesn't feel like they're in their plans. That's not true at all. That's me being an over-the-top moron. Because, you know, I, I didn't like the DQ on the second match that we did on Raw. I thought that was stupid. I thought it was boring. Like, why make the match if you don't know how to get out of it? And I get it, it's because you want to do the Money in the Bank cash-in. But there's just better ways and means to me. I just don't like DQ finishes. And not that I don't think they should be in wrestling. But WWE, well, I can tell you. Where's my board? WWE, I've got my notes in front of me. There it is. WWE, as of the 20th of July, 2021, has done 40 disqualifications over Raw and SmackDown. And we're only halfway through the year. So statistics would tell us we're probably going to do 80. And distractions, they have done 80, double. So they'll probably do about 160. Unless they really calm down. That's pay-per-views as well. So that's why I don't like them. I got bored of them. Just because I'm like, you, you just use this as a crutch to get out of matches, but then don't make the match. And when we finish Money in the Bank, I think we'll talk about Karrion Cross. Men's Money in the Bank match was flipping phenomenal. I mean, how could it not be? Big E, Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, Kevin Owens, Nakamura, Ricochet, Riddle, Seth Rollins. It was always going to be great. There's not even that much to say about it. It's brilliant. Those guys are brilliant. I, 
am intrigued to see how because ricochet wasn't on raw which was a little bit of a worry i've only just realized that now i hope he didn't just vanish into dust but drew McIntyre's gonna pair off with jinder mahal i did think the segment on raw was stupid but the whole feud has been stupid so far so i can't i can't be that surprised and i do think they'll have a good match i think they work well together because i think they like each other behind the scenes so you know that's all well that's all well and good with me Seth Rollins is going to be paired with Edge, which is a terrific SummerSlam match. I would love to do Edge versus Seth Rollins at SummerSlam and then come out and do Edge versus Kevin Owens. That would be the next match that I would go for. I would really be up for that. And then maybe you can do Nakamura versus Edge too. Nakamura versus Edge. What kind of universe are we living in? I mean, Ricochet versus Edge. Edge should be able to go from show to show. He should be a brand to brand guy, which would make no sense. But if John Cena can do it, why can't Edge? Either way, absolutely excellent stuff. And we've talked about Biggie winning. And I look, Roman Reigns and, and Edge, I think the big... Um, uh, the, the thing that kind of divided people was, was it too long? Probably a little bit long at 33 minutes and 10 seconds. You probably could have shaved five to six minutes off of it and you wouldn't have lost anything. But I did love how slow paced and deliberate it was in the early going. I thought it made edges, near falls and comebacks and hope spots twice as good as they would have been otherwise. Because again, we built, built and we took our time. All the all the just the, the shenanigans at the end were justified because it tied into, you know, bringing Seth Rollins into the mix and doing this. And John Cena is going to come because he's sick of all the games. I know I'm repeating myself now. I'm like an episode of Raw, but it's just the fact that WWE does it too much. If this has been the first time they had done it in sort of six weeks, even a month, you'd be like, okay, cool, we're overbooking, but overbooking here and there is fine. But when you're overbooking every single match, then you go into super crazy overbooking territory, your brain does pick up on it. But as far as I'm concerned, Edge is one of the best wrestlers ever, and I mean that. The way he puts together matches, I think he's a genius. And Roman Reigns has come into his own now. If I'm sitting down and someone says, Simon, you've got to pick five people to start a promotion with, Roman Reigns is at that list. Who else would be on that list? It'd be Roman Reigns, it'd be Kenny Omega, it'd be Britt Baker, I'd take Charlotte Flair. I'm not, t- I'm not taking Becky Lynch or anyone like that because they're not on the roster. Is that four? So I need one more. I'd probably take a Drew McIntyre or somebody like that. You know, that's a stupid thing to say. It's too hard, five people. Because <laughs> I want Bobby Lashley in there as well. And you want Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston is such a good dude. We've got Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods. And I haven't put Big E in there. And I haven't put John Morrison in there. Or Kevin, I take that back. It was stupid. Stupid thing to do. I don't want to do it. Terrific pay-per-view. Terrific, terrific pay-per-view. And yes, it built into Raw the debut of Karrion Cross, who is, don't forget still, the NXT world champion. I don't give a crap who wins and who loses. I know, Simon, how dare you say this stuff? I don't give a crap. Just justify it. Tell me a story. Tell me a narrative. And if I understand what's going on, then that's cool. I can decide whether I like it or whether I don't like it. I think the Alexa Bliss thing is a great, is a great example of that. As I said on ups and downs for WWE so far, again, what culture wrestling. Do I like the Alexa Bliss stuff? No. But do I appreciate the fact they're trying to tell a story and they're trying to give me a new character? Absolutely. I think that's great. And I don't want them to stop doing that just because I don't like it. So if you want to bring Karrion Cross up and you want Jeff Hardy to beat him, awesome. Come up with a way to do it that makes me go, oh, wow. But we didn't do that. What we did is we had 18 months of worth built up in NXT, which I thought was the point, And we flushed it down the toilet. I'm not mad about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm just telling you that's how it kind of came across to me because he has run through everybody in NXT. Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole. I mean, even Samoa Joe to a certain extent. I mean, not really. That's me being ridiculous, but... I mean, there's so many people I haven't even mentioned yet. He's destroyed all of them. Finn Balor. And then he gets to the main roster. He takes on someone like Jeff Hardy, who is a legend and is one of the greatest ever, especially when it comes to sort of having that connection with the fans. But he hasn't been doing anything on Raw or SmackDown as of late. In fact, he's kind of vanished and been on main event. And in 120 seconds, he gets pinned with what was essentially the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. One, two, three, and we're done. Karrion Cross gets to the microphone afterwards and say he's just done the worst thing ever, which makes no sense because Jeff Hardy just did his job. And then I'm sure next week Karrion Cross will destroy him, but it doesn't matter because you've already 
extinguished all the hard work you did on NXT and this massive build you've done for this guy over the last 18 months where he's a killer because he lost that easily, didn't look hard at all. But also, if nobody watches NXT, they're like, well, who's this chump? Who's this chump with his belt? What's that belt even mean? I don't watch NXT. Clearly can't be a very good promotion because the champion just came up here and lost to someone who at the moment hasn't done much of anything. And that's why it annoys me. I don't understand what the point of it was. I don't understand what we achieved. And I'll just move on. Like when I'm done ranting and raving here, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to go on the internet and go, rah, 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 because there's more important things in life. Get a real problem. <laughs> like finances and relationships. But it doesn't. I don't understand why WWE has to make things so hard for themselves. I know I say this all the time and it's boring. But Goldberg, who, you know, we'll talk about him in a second too, and Keith Lee. Goldberg worked because Goldberg arrived, he snarled, he blew smoke out of his nose, and he destroyed people. So if you knew what was coming, you anticipated it, because we all do that. It's like a dopamine release. And if you didn't, you saw it and you're like, wow, <laughs> who's this guy? He's fantastic. It's why sometimes, I, you know, when I'm out at my professional wrestling stuff, which hopefully is starting up again soon, and a promoter will say to a wrestler, what would you like to do? They will joke, well, can you not make me Goldberg? Because everybody wants to be Goldberg. Of course, everybody wants to be Goldberg. So <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. And I don't know what we're doing. But I do know that both the casual fan in me and the super duper hardcore fan in me was completely perplexed. And I felt like we really, really did chop the legs off Karrion Cross before there was a need to do it. I get that he's going to probably be a super heel. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I also don't think a program with Jeff Hardy is good for either of them. I just don't. Oh, I guess he could have beaten Jeff Hardy and that would have been fine. It just felt, it just screamed of something that was undercooked, underprepared and happened at the last minute. And that's because it was. And I don't mind them making calls at the last second, but I always thought the, po the point of NXT was to give ourselves six months, Triple H said at one point, and it's not Triple H's fault. I'm sure he's crying into his protein shake this morning. But I thought we were going to try and eke these things out and ensure that we, uh, you know, made something of them and didn't just have them exist in NXT, get called up to the main roster, and then Vince McMahon just decides, look, Vince McMahon can do whatever he wants. I just didn't think it was, I didn't think it was the right thing to do. To be completely honest with you. Not that I, would I have done anything better? Probably not. But I just thought it was weird. And I now think there's an upward battle to climb. And I think it's going to be difficult. Which is kind of the same for Keith Lee. But I believe there is a proviso with Mr. Lee. And that's because going back to what we just talked about. There are more important things than professional wrestling in this life of ours. And Keith Lee has been away for a long time. It certainly sounded like Keith Lee had some kind of medical issue. So bad that nobody wanted to talk about it. They decided it was a personal thing. And it's none of our business, by the way. And that was a worry. So even though he did come back and get put in one of the stupidest situations I've ever seen, I couldn't give a flub. And the reason I couldn't give a flub is because he's back. He's doing what he loves. I'm sure he's far happier to be on the show than whatever was happening at home. And that's all I need. That makes me feel good. That puts a smile on my face. That reminds me that yeah, we don't need to... Uh, we don't need to overthink this stuff. And there is a chance as well it ties into our Big E storyline from earlier. You know, if, you, if, if, if uh, Big E wants to throw Keith Lee in there for some reason, maybe they used to be friends, and I'm not going to be against that for some reason. But I do think, what I do think is nuts, do not get me wrong, is that we have someone like Keith Lee, who is an exceptionally talented human being, offers someone completely different from the rest of the roster, looks completely different from the rest of your roster, because he's just like a big, massive wall. And WWE doesn't have a lot of guys like that anymore, especially because Braun Strowman's gone. On the note of Braun Strowman, they did put new uh, merchandise up for Braun on the WWE shop this week. Now, I'm sure if they've got it and they've already ordered it, they're going to try and sell it, because you don't want to just burn it away. You want to try and make some money. And I'm sure Braun Strowman's not going to care. That's a royalty check for him. But, well, it's happened both ways. This has happened, and it's proven to be that, but it's also happened in the past, and people have re-signed. So there is a small chance that, you know, Braun got fired, and then we got fired because his contract was too big, 
So they've now brought him back and renegotiated his contract. Now, surely there's more easy ways, but we'll have to wait and see. I kind of think Braun Strowman is the best fit for WWE, but it's up to him. I'd be happy to see him anywhere. Again, wait and see what people do with it. They may turn him into the best character ever. But yeah, you know, having um, uh, Keith Lee come back in what was his home state or, you know, his home area... And it wasn't even like he had a close contest with Bobby Lashley. He got murdered. <laughs> he got absolutely destroyed. And I understand that to tie into my Big Easter storyline, you probably do need sacrifices like this, but just don't do it with Keith Lee. I don't understand why Vince McMahon doesn't understand. Well, not that he has to. Again, it's completely up to him. But from my vantage point, I feel like you have a, a very rare talent in Keith Lee that we're not using. And I know this has been said elsewhere, but I did think when I was watching... When I heard Corey Graves on commentary, he really, really, you know, laid into Keith Lee as if this was Vince McMahon directing traffic. I don't know. Again, it doesn't massively bother me because I'm just happy he's back and I'm just happy that he's okay. I just think that's so much more important than anything else. So it's a weird one, though. It really, really is. I'm not 100% sure where, where we're building to. But then Goldberg came back. And that's another thing. Goldberg, I don't want to see Goldberg. Screw Goldberg. Goldberg is crap. I like Goldberg, man. I like him. When you look at the SummerSlam card, who else are you going to put there? I don't want to do the Biggie versus Bobby Lashley match there because I think that Bobby Lashley would win because we have other matches that are going to take priority. So I don't want it to be overshadowed. If anything, I think because we have Edge versus Seth Rollins and because we have John Cena versus Roman Reigns and because I'm convinced we're going to have Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, even if we don't, the last two matches alone, you do open up the door to do other bouts that don't have to sort of be the main event, but also make people go, I want to buy it. And Goldberg will sell tickets. He just is. I know that's an issue all of it in itself, and that WWE keeps going back to the past in order to try and build for the future, which is a dumb idea. They need to focus on stars like Keith Lee. But if that's where we're at now, so be it. I'll take Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg, especially if Bobby Lashley runs through him and absolutely kicks his ass. And I like Goldberg. Goldberg's my dad. We know this. We've established it. We've talked about it a thousand times before. So... That's where we're at with WWE. It's going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be very, very fascinating. Uh, but look, I'm pumped. I'm excited. And that could be because the last thing I saw on Raw, obviously, was Nikki Cross winning things. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Uh, or Nikki Ash, I should say, to give, her, to give her her proper name. But I want to tune in. And I want to see what's going to happen between Roman Reigns and John Cena on Friday. I think that's a mega program. I think John Cena going after Roman on Raw was a good idea. Again, it's the proper rating. I totally understand. And it makes the brand split look stupid. But the brand split looks stupid for, for a long ass time. But I do think if we allow Roman Reigns to be Roman Reigns, and of course we will, unlike we did back in 2017, this is going to be excellent. I really do think it's going to be excellent. I think it's going to be right up there. And it's something we should be excited about. Don't want to talk about the Alexa Bliss stuff. I think I've made it very clear. I don't like it. That was one of the worst segments I've seen. Worst is unfair. That's too much. Everyone played their roles great. I just hate all the stupid stuff. I hate all the stupid stuff. I hate the tripping. I hate Lily being back. I hate the powers. And some will go, well, you like The Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, that happens. That happens. Sometimes you can watch one episode of a show you like, and then you watch the second episode, you don't like it. This, it doesn't add up. At that point in my life, I was happy for Undertaker to shoot fireballs from his hand and Kane to be a serial killer. Right now, the execution doesn't make me buy in. It makes me feel like a stupid. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. That's just how I'm feeling about it. And there was something else I wanted to mention too that I felt was... We don't need to watch Seamus and Humberto Carrillo. Don't know why we did that again. Oh, the Reginald stuff. Up and down, ironically, with the Reginald stuff. I couldn't believe we had another match where he, you know, he did what he did. I was like, how many flipping times is he going to do this? But fair play to WWE because they did write it off. They wrote it off. 
they did a story. I can handle that. Nia Jax heard what Shayna Baszler said. She nutted him right in the head. We go on to something else. I could have done without the 24-7 title stuff, but I talked about that before. I just feel like it's jumped the shark and I can't get into it. But fine. Good. Reginald's gone. He can go do something else. Ipso facto. Bob's your uncle. I thought it was an okay episode of Raw, is the way that I would say. Do I think it was brilliant? No. But I thought it was an okay episode of Raw. I did tell you what I thought was tremendous going back in my DeLorean. AEW Dynamite last week. Man, of course the, the, the crowd helped again. But that was just a, a terrific pro wrestling show, I believe. I call it on my Twitter at Simon316. And everyone was like, Simon, you're so biased. And I was like, well, SmackDown got all ups as well. But yeah, don't worry about that. You know, Don't let, don't let the facts get in the way of a, <laughs> of a good story. Man, I'm an asshole. I would hate me too. Don't worry about it. I would absolutely hate me too. But no, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was it just fun. It's just fun. And everything tied together and everything was like, oh, go left, right, up, down. And was it called? It's Fighter Fest Night 1, which means we get Fighter Fest Night 2 as I try and find what is on Fighter Fest Night 2. We'll start with Fighter Fest Night 1. Screw it, just because it came up. I thought John Moxie versus Carl Anderson was really good. And now I think that John Moxie is going to go on a defense of his IWGP US title, which I'm all about because I like that title. Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks I thought was tremendous. Ricky Starks become the FDW champion, future star in the making. Brian Cage will always be good. The whole Cody Rhodes Malachi Black stuff is just old school pro wrestling and Cody will make it work. And Malachi Black is so underutilized, it's ridiculous. The fact that we're now teasing Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega for the All Out Main event and doing it so well. Going to have a big tag team match with the Dark Orders involved and all the titles are on the line. Tick that box. Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. Because, of course, this episode of Dynamite did a crazy high rating. And I think they could be a major reason for it. I mean, I haven't seen the quarters. So you may be like, Simon, you're, you're utterly wrong. You're utterly incorrect. But I can imagine a lot of Attitude Era guys being like, well, I want to see that. I remember Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. And the rest of the show would have drawn them in. And, and Christian Cage won. That's the other cool thing. The good guys always win. Like, I wouldn't even call Ricky Starks win a bad guy winning because it was in his hometown. <laughs> they all flipped and loved him. Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Utah. Sammy Guevara needed a win. He got it. Wheeler Utah to me. I've seen him a few times on Darker Elevation, but this is the first proper time I've watched him. Man, that guy's good. He's going to smash it. I look forward to seeing more of him. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki versus Penelope Ford. Just a good women's match. And the Darby Allen versus Ethan Page in the coffin match was nuts. I don't understand how Darby Allen walks. I don't understand how Darby... But he said before he doesn't care. He said before, I don't care, man. That's what he said. He's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm probably not going to be like... I'm here for a, a good time, not a long time, whatever that stupid phrase is. Pff, I don't know. But he's a star. He's a draw. I, I wouldn't say that I was massively into him when you know he first came along, but I think like a lot of people, he's won me over, which should be the point. You are allowed to be a brand new person and showcase your skills before fans start going, oh man, this guy's really good. Yeah, I want to see what he's going to do. So that's a massive testament to AEW. He's built a lot of other people as well. Like I love Powerhouse Hobbs. I love Ricky Starks. Sammy Guevara is another one. MJF. I love all the, the, the Hercules tasks he's got Jericho doing. I'm really, that's just old school pro wrestling at its best. Because you know he's going to do it already, but you're intrigued to see, you know, what kind of things are going to be in front of him. So I just, I, I, one of the best shows of the year, as far as I'm concerned. It did everything that it had to do, and it built suspense and expectation for not only Fighter Fest Night 2, but everything we are going to do it all out. And there's now rumors going around that Daniel Bryan is going to sign with AEW. Now, I don't know where the hell these started, and I don't know what they mean. I know they've got this massive show in New York now at the place where they play the New York Open Tennis, or the US Open, I should say. 
it's probably just a lot of hearsay and rumor because now it is going to be a massive match. I'm not going to get... I know people want me to talk about, oh, WWE sold this many tickets for Madison Square Garden. I don't care. I want everyone to sell all the tickets. I would like to get to a point where promotion announces a, a venue and they sell out in 32 seconds because that's just good for the fans and it's good for the wrestlers and it's good for everyone. It means there's more money, so on and so forth. So if Daniel Bryan does go to AEW, that will be huge. Him and CM Punk to me are the two biggest free agents anybody could possibly get right now. I don't count Brock Lesnar because I don't think he'll go anywhere. He could do, but I just don't see him going there. So I don't really put him in the pot. And uh, someone like Dave Batista, I think, has made it clear. He'll come back to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, but that's it. I think Daniel Bryan is more likely than CM Punk, but I have no information about either of them because why would I? But it would be huge. And I do believe that Tony Khan has said he has something big planned for that show. And I don't know what the hell it could be. Although, you know, there's a lot of impact and impact. There's a lot of New Japan guys going to impact and so on and so forth. It could be a carder. And for that kind of fan base, all right, it may not make a super huge dent on the wider world. But for the fan base that AEW is predominantly going for, my word, everyone would go nuts for that. So yeah, tomorrow night we have Lance Archer versus John Moxley for the US title in a Texas death match. If you've seen them before, you know that's going to be wild. It'll be brilliant. Probably should open the show. Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears. Sean Spears can use chairs. Chris Jericho can't. Of course, Chris Jericho will win, but it would be fun seeing how he's able to, to come out the other back. The Blade versus Orange Cassidy. Look, that build's been fine, you know, using the brass knucks and everything, but at least I know why it's happening. And live fans love Orange Cassidy. As soon as you put people back in buildings, that character just works again. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, maybe the Blade can send me a nice bit of meat. And the main event could very well be Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker for the AEW women's title. Like, I do know that Britt Baker's promo last week was the high point of the whole show when it came to ratings. So there's another person you've got an absolute star with. You absolutely turned that person into, into a monster. And now that, you know, we should jump on it. We, we, should, we, should, we should make it work. So it's going to be good. And I mean, All Out is still a long way away. I'm pro- that's why they've got all these crazy fighter fest and road rager and everything. I think I'm right in saying... One, two, three, four, five, six and a half weeks. I think it's the fourth of September. That may be wrong. So we've got a lot. I've got a lot of way, a long way to go. I'm massively intrigued to see what we do, though. But it's all good shit, as Vince McMahon would say, and that's awesome too. What a great weekend or a great week we can have because we came out of AEW, we went into SmackDown, we went into Slammiversary, and we came out for Money in the Bank. Raw was a bit hit and miss, but it's Raw. <laughs> Raw is always hit and miss. Really should talk about NXT as well, but I am just... My big thing with NXT is if we're not going to do anything with Samoa Joe, I don't understand what's going on. I don't really get it. It doesn't make any sense. It certainly doesn't seem like he's been cleared, but now he should be having a match with Karrion Cross, which ties into everything we said earlier, because it's not going to be as impressive. I mean, uh, Samoa and Joe could have a match with Karrion Cross, Adam Cole, what, Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne. I think he's I think he's pissed everybody off. Look, if NXT do get Samoa Joe back in the ring, that's going to be massive, a massive draw. Like a huge draw. Of course it is. Like who doesn't want to see Samoa Joe back in the ring? You know, he, I, I still find it amazing that WWE let him go to begin with. Because to me, he offers you so much more, even if he isn't cleared to wrestle. But fingers crossed that's where it's going. But yeah, it's a show that I need to I need to catch up on. So I will. And yeah, as I've already said, Impact. Really, really good. You should be watching it. Um, because they've got fans back in the arena now, or so I think, there is a bunch of spoilers out there in terms of what's going to happen in the next few weeks as they block tape which kind of makes me beg the question whether they actually did have fans there or not but anyway I'm, I'm rambling to give you time to turn off your radio device for let's say 60 seconds if you don't want to do this so i've mentioned it now and i'll again continue to ramble for 10 more seconds before i tell you it's just because I was actually quite, e- I, was, I was pleasantly surprised about who was going to be taking on Kenny Omega next in Impact Wrestling because, dun dun, spoiler warning, it's Brian Myers. Now, 
I saw a lot of disparaging comments on the internet because, of course, oh, I shouldn't be Brian Myers. No, man. This ties back into everything else we've been talking about. Give people new opportunities. This isn't Kurt Hawkins. Brian Myers has been doing really, really well in Impact Wrestling. I mean, some of the things he does, I don't particularly... Well, they don't float my boat, but we've already mentioned that too. I These are the kind of matches I want to see. I want to see Kenny Omega versus Brian Myers. I'd love to see Kenny Omega versus Chris Bay. I'd love to see Kenny Omega versus Josh Alexander. Kenny Omega versus Chris Saban. And there's loads of people. Give everybody an opportunity and see what they can do because until Until we do do that, we don't know. And I'll probably be murdered if I also don't mention, yes, Jeff Hardy came back to no more words. Whatever the hell that other theme is, I don't really care. (laughs) That's terrible, doesn't it? It doesn't mean anything to me. Although I will say, ever since, it sounds like I did this, but I promise you it's a true story. Years and years ago, when the Hardy boys were probably at their peak, or at least in their prime, a mate of mine found, and he wasn't watching it either. He found it on the internet. That Hardy Boys, you know, duh, 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 is just open source music. You can just license it. And it was in a porno. And it's one of the funniest things you've ever seen in your life. Somebody else giving, like, you know, having sex with somebody from behind and doing it in time to that beat. And you're like, well, there we go. <laughs> That's where we're out now. So damn funny. So damn funny. So. That is essentially everything that's been going on in the wrestling world. I'm sure I've forgotten something, but I don't think that I have. I'm very excited to see where we go from now till SummerSlam. SummerSlam is in... Is it the 21st SummerSlam? So one, two, three, four. That's four and a half weeks, if I've got this right. Could be completely wrong. But if I've got this right, four and a half weeks... If WWE can have a really solid television for four and a half weeks, I think that will do them the world of good. And probably build back some confidence of fans that they have lost because i think that's something that people worry about as well they think oh well you know wwe's eventually going to screw me over hasn't massively helped with that last episode of raw raw really is the (laughs) i don't want to call it the like evil stepchild or anything like that because if anything it's the main child they love raw it's that extra hour it's the extra hour. The extra hour, I think, makes it so hard, and they just they just overthink things. I just remembered there was something else we had to talk about. Ah, oh, I'm going to get his name wrong, because I always pronounce it wrong, even though I know how it's said. I have to say it wrong once, and I get it. Pat McAfee. Thank you, Brain. We've done it. Pat McAfee is an absolutely wonderful color commentator. That was gibberish. Color commentator. And whatever we've been doing, keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing it, because... It has just been a joy. It has been a dream. Him and Michael Cole are a terrific team. I know some people don't like um, Michael Cole, which is fine. You don't have to like Michael Cole, but I think he works incredibly well with Pat McAfee, and I'm really excited to see where they're going to... Well, how they develop, because it's only been a few weeks or a couple of months, and surely with more time, it'll just get better, right? So yeah, shout out to Pat McAfee. I like the dude on Raw as well. I always forget his name. I can't remember his name. Aaron Stevens. No, that's the real name of Damien Sandow. <laughs> what a stupid brain. I like him too. The commentary on WWE can be difficult sometimes because they do say ridiculous things. But uh, I've certainly been enjoying in SmackDown. And uh, Michael Cole, again, Michael Cole's reaction to John Cena was just, that's what I want. Give me the emotion. Be over the top. Be stupid. Be crazy. So, yes. I'm going to call it a good week for professional wrestling. I've had a good time. No idea where we go now because obviously the novelty of fans will wear off quite quickly. That's why you need good stories. That's why you need good narratives. That's why you need good surprises. You need to make sure we balance all of these things out. So I'm going to be a positive peak. Keep my fingers crossed and hope we keep smashing it. But we shall finish as always with some questions courtesy of you guys. Thank you very much for sending me the questions. I appreciate you all very, very nice people. And the first one, if my computer decides to load, which it finally has, will be from Master Jake, the master of all the Jakes. He says, good afternoon, Simon. 
Charlotte Rhea made the sweet lemonade out of quite sour lemons, it seems. Do you think that the fans were present during their build to Money in the Bank? Their reactions would have WWE changed directions a bit. And do you think the match would have been any different? I think fans, well, it all depends on what WWE decided to do. We've had that conversation before. But fans will always have a massive say on the direction and the influence of an angle. And I think that's really, really important. You could probably say that Charlotte versus Rhea at Money in the Bank wouldn't have been as good if the fans weren't as into it as they were. You know, they started trying to Becky Lynch. Charlotte flipped them off. And I think she got a bee in her bonnet. And she decided, right, I'm going to prove to you what a great professional wrestler I am. So I would say that's true in all walks of life. But WWE has the people to pull the trigger, right? They have to say, we're going to do this. Hit that button. And it's going to be intriguing to see who they do do that with and who they don't do that with. Because they do kind of seem to be carrying on with the Alexa Bliss stuff, even though it hasn't got the best response. So it could still be a case of they know best. And if it does do that... I just don't want to go back to 2019. But at the moment, too negative, Nancy. Again, let's be positive, Pete. Navad says, how pumped are you to see old Johnny Boy lose to our China chief? Yeah, I think it'll be great. I mean, it's another notch on Roman Reigns' belt. It doesn't hurt John Cena at all because he's John flipping Cena. I think it's a top-tier match. I think it's going to get past fans in. I think it's going to sell tickets. I think it's going to feel like a WrestleMania bout. I'm really excited. I think it's absolutely awesome. Um, my man Ben Roy Turner, also of What Culture Wrestling, good man, obviously wanted to know who should Karrion Cross and Keith Lee lose to next. And as I replied to him on Twitter and I reply here, the answer is Elias and Jackson Riker. Obviously, clearly, probably at SummerSlam. Doesn't even make sense. Ike Burke says, hey, Simon, who would you sign for AEW Rampage? P.S. Love your videos and podcasts. Thanks, man. Well, I would sign Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I would just sign Daniel Bryan for AEW and I would sign CM Punk. I genuinely believe, and I want to sort of touch over things we've already touched on, if they sign CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, you would, you could potentially match Raw and SmackDown. Because <laughs> I think there's so many lapsed people out there that love both of those guys. I'm probably over-exaggerating and getting excited like a loser fan. But it wouldn't surprise me. And it would be great. But those are the two people that I would go out there and sign. Dan Davis says, do you think they would keep Big E with the briefcase for a long time? Well, it depends on what they do with his story. If you're going to pull the trick on this story, you may actually have to have it culminate at Survivor Series. I don't think you can get to the Royal Rumble, which is six months away, and WrestleMania is even further. Like, Biggie can't be mad that Kofi Kingston got destroyed eight months after the fact. But that's the skill of a good creative writer. Maybe he has to go through, like, the, the Jericho thing, the, 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 the Hercules. You know, there's a, there's a big story there. And then you do get the big payoff. I think that would be awesome. So you certainly could do it. I just hope they tie it into a good story, and I hope that he wins. Loki, what do you see McIntyre doing at WrestleMania? I'd say a feud with Cesaro would be great. I mean, WrestleMania, I don't know. I mean, we're closer to WrestleMania 37 than we are to 38, I think. And if not, we're on the cusp. It's impossible to tell. We have to get through the Jinder Mahal feud. You could do Roman versus Drew. But then again, saying that, no, they'll definitely do The Rock versus uh, Roman if they can. I, I, I couldn't answer that. I have no idea. Also, what do you think of the Keith Lee return? It was great to see him back, but do you think the loss affected him? I don't think it did. He had a good showing in the early stages thoughts. We've talked about that, and I'm just happy that he's back, and I'm happy that he's well. Son of Kratos says, Now Big E is Mr. Money in the Bank. How would you book his cash in? Well, we've done that as well. Bobby Lashley, story all the way. Josh says, Howdy, Simon. Hope you're doing well. What do you think if Hangman utilizes a ghost of lovers past that being bringing in Kota Ibushi to the Dark Order to lead Kenny to the light side? I think that's overcomplicating it. I think Kota Ibushi being in AEW and having a match with Kenny Omega based on their entire history is all you would need to get fans excited. So that's all I would do. I wouldn't. I don't think you need to tie it to Hangman. I don't think you need to tie it into the Dark Order. I think that writes itself. So if you can bring in Kota Ibushi, yes, I think you do it in order to tell a new story as opposed to tie it into the ones that you've already got. But let's face it. If you bring in Okada, Ibushi, Suzuki, 
uh, Ishii, Jeff Cobb, everyone's going to be having a great time. And I think you could probably do whatever you want and nobody would care. My man Dustin says, Goldberg has to lose to Monday Night Bobby in order to keep Lashley protected and further the monster he is, right? What happens if WWE goes and gives your dad the strap for one more match? Also, good luck in your upcoming matches. Thanks, man. Well, I, I actually think if you give Goldberg the championship, which I don't think they will do, and then Big E gets to have his match with Goldberg and win the championship, I'm actually okay with that because I know that's what Big E wants. So Biggie becomes a champion, ticks my box. Biggie has a dream match with his favorite wrestler as a, as, a, as a kid, ticks my box. I think it would be pretty good. I actually think I'd be all right with it. But I'll quickly retract that because I don't want to be killed by the internet. But no, the best booking is that Bobby Lashley destroys Goldberg. And it's Big E who's the one to stand up to him and take his title and stop his reign of terror. That just makes all the sense in the world. A.A. Loza says, after all this week, what could possibly redeem Karrion Cross? I don't think we need to get too carried away, my friend. But I do enjoy how passionate you are. We will have forgotten about this in a month. It's a shame, but that's how WW operates. I'm sure he'll probably go on a tear from this point, and it will all be, you know, swept under the carpet come November, December, as he enters some kind of main event program, would be my guess. Steven says, how long until AEW, Impact, NWA, New Japan, AAA put on a truly mania-scaled event? It seems they're working towards a show like this with all the forbidden doors open. Yeah, I can see them doing it at Madison Square Garden, which was the rumor before the world closed down. I think the pandemic has probably made that even more of a certainty, if it was a certainty to begin with. Next year, though, I think you want to wait until the world is open properly. And of course, Japan is still going through it a lot, especially with these Olympics. But yes, in 2022, can I see it? Absolutely. T-Man says, what is your favorite current story on each major wrestling show? Uh, on Raw, it would be Riddle, Riddle and uh, Randy Orton, as bizarre as it's been the last couple of weeks, because Randy Orton's vanished. SmackDown is everything with Roman Reigns and his manipulative ways. AEW would be uh, the Hangman, Adam Page, Kenny Omega stuff. Impact, probably up to this point, everything with Sammy Callan, Kenny Omega, but as that's come to a halt, I think Moose is always in involved in interesting stuff. And I don't think I watch anything else, do I? If I do, it's in my own time. So no, I think that's, I'll call it a line there. Marco, in your personal opinion, should AEW create a brand new title? And if so, which one? Because so far we have a men's major title, a women's one, a TV one, and for the tag teams. Do you think a trios title would be a great addition? Oh yeah, because they have trios there to do it with. If they just create the trios title and then work backwards, I'd say, well, no, don't do that. But they have Death Triangle, they have the Elite, they have the Dark Order, they have the Nightmare Family, um, they have the Best Friends. So, you know, there's trios for days and I haven't even mentioned all of them. So yes, they absolutely should do that. You've got the Factory... That's the one that I would add. But there's no rush. The TNT title's not that old. Maybe you can introduce it with Rampage or after, a, after a few weeks of that to try and give that some buzz. But that would probably be the last title I would introduce too. You don't need too many titles. It's not worth it. Fuck the Revival. <laughs> with Nikki Ash winning the Raw Women's Championship last night, do you think this is WWE's way of getting the belt to Alexa Bliss? I assume she'll be Nikki's first program and I can't see Vince not putting Alexa over. It's a very good shout. And you got the whole good versus evil thing. I would say you're probably onto something there, my friend. Yes, I think it could happen. And I wouldn't be against it either. Like, I've made my feelings about it very clear, but that would be fresh, and it would also tie into their history, hopefully, if WWE allows it to. So I would be good with that. Yes, I think that sounds fun. My man Spaz Phoenix says, NXT just lost, Car uh, sorry, NXT just lost Cross Shotzi, Knox Storm, Alaya, and Reed. So far in return, they've got Mandy Rose. Who else would you give them? I would say Sonya, Liv, Owens, Ziggler, and Zelina. I wouldn't give them Kevin Owens. I think he's too... He should be in a major program on the main roster. 
Sonya Deville is ready to go back to the ring, so potentially yes, although I'd rather she did it on SmackDown. Liv Morgan, no, because I think she has far too much potential where she is. Same as Alina Vega, she should be a manager for someone, if not more. Ziggler, absolutely, because he needs a refresh. Same with Bobby Roode. You could argue Shinsuke Nakamura if we're not going to do anything with the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, we need some women, though, as well, don't we? <laughs> you can't send any women back because there's not enough on Raw and SmackDown as it is. So I think you're just going to have to promote some people from within. But that's what I would do. Harreen says, hey, Simon, my daily proclamation of my love for Kenny Omega. Always good to know it's carrying on every 24 hours. I absolutely loved his man bun <laughs> on Dynamite. What was the weirdest hairstyle you've ever had? Well, it's funny. I did used to have a weird hair. Not weird, but one that I'm sure many people wouldn't be expecting. I used to have a top knot. So I used to have really, really long hair. And that's right. I would take a portion of it and I would just tie up a little mini ponytail at the top of my head. And that's actually why I shaved it off or cut it at first and then shaved it off because I had done that and it was just exposing my bald spot <laughs> as it would do. So I went to the barbers and they had a great time. A barber or a hairdresser will never be more excited than when you walk in and say, just get rid of it. And you've got this massively long hair. They're like, man, this is party time. So I do miss my top knot though. If I was able to grow hair now, I'd absolutely have really, really long hair. Really, really long hair is just fun. And I don't know why. Probably because I watch too much wrestling, listen to too much metal. Oregano says, hey, Simon, staying on the topic of selling, who do you think are some of the best sellers in wrestling right now? And would you include Roman Reigns in that conversation? You're damn right I would. That's something I was making notes about when I saw him selling that crossface by Edge. He's awesome. Edge is great. Absolutely tremendous. Someone else did a great... Oh, Rhea Ripley's a really good... She was in the... Um, uh, whatever move that Charlotte put her in, I can't remember what it was now, but I, I could genuinely buy into the fact that she was she was her. Drew McIntyre is very good. <sighs> Who else is really, really good? I've got to be missing somebody. I mean, any of the guys at the top are usually pretty good at selling. I think probably the best person in the world is Tanahashi from New Japan, but he's had years of doing it, so he's got an experience. He just has a certain way about him. But yes, Roman Reigns is in that conversation for sure. Who Hubrija says, has wrestling today become more about the athleticism more than the storylines? I mean, yes and no. There is certainly a bigger spotlight on that, but I still think the things that transcend the most are when we have a good narrative or we have a moment or something like that. Like, I don't think people are excited about John Cena versus Roman Reigns because they're going to have a five-star classic. They're excited about two massive names going head-to-head. -head. And in fact, that's probably a balance that wrestling could do better. I like the way that we've evolved to this more athletic star because it does feel a little bit more real. And it's much more exciting for people that aren't fans to get into. But you always have to go back to your bread and butter of telling good stories, good narratives with good guys and bad guys and emotional connections. But they could do that more. I totally agree with you. Sai says, thoughts on Goldberg returning again? As we said earlier, I'm all good with it. I just enjoy it for what it is, as long as Bobby Lashley wins. Juan says, what do you think about the plans for Goldberg versus Lashley at SummerSlam? I understand that some people don't like it because it's Goldberg, but I feel like if WWE can build up a good story around it, it can work. Dude, absolutely. I'm with you. The Villain says, glad that your wrestling career is resuming after so long. Me too, my friend. Thank you very much. My question is, who should Big E cash his money in the bank contract on and why? We've certainly put that one to bed. Jason, who do you think Cena will stick around for on his current run? Oh, no one. <laughs> he's out of here. As soon as he's lost to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, he's got a movie to film. He is flying off to, uh, to Europe as soon as he's done. He may come back later in the year for Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble. But no, he is back for a program with Roman Reigns. What's that? Six weeks. And then he is out of here. Which he kind of technically said. But I guess you could have extrapolated it the wrong way as well. 
Backward Bloom says, many wrestlers use high-flying spots that absolutely make our drawers drop. Do you think the art of old-school wrestling moves is being lost on today's fans from the, wrestling, from the biggest wrestling promotions? FTR may be onto something. Here is an eye poke for good measure. Well, I mean, to a certain point, but I would call Roman Reigns an old-school wrestler. I called Edge an old-school wrestler. Randy Orton. You mentioned FTR. I think Cody fits into that group. Edge. Uh, sorry, Christian. Matt Hardy. So, no, I don't think it's dying. I think we have a good balance between it all, which is what you need. You should always have one foot stepped in the past, and you should always have one foot stepped in the future. I mean, that's just the best way to, to make anything evolve, is remembering where we came from, but making sure that we're always evolving and changing. And I actually think on mass, we've, we've done a pretty good job on that. I do. Uh, Steven says, have they given up on Cesaro? What did he do? I don't think they've given up on him. I just think they think that's his position. And they gave him his quote-unquote main event bit when we had the Thunderdome. And now he'll just settle back into his upper mid-card position, which is crazy. But hey, as long as he's happy and being paid well, I suppose it's good. Ashley says, Bound for Glory has now become my most highly anticipated event of the year. I believe the Forbidden Door will be well and truly kicked open. What are your early thoughts on this event? Well, I think Jay White's going to be resting on it. And I presume the Good Brothers and I suppose Finn Juice and everybody else. I do think if you're into cross-promotional brand warfare and they didn't deliver, you'd have every right to be a little disappointed. Now, there's lots of spoilers out there, like I say, for Impact, and it does sound like they're heading in that direction, new members of the Bullet Club and all that. I think you'll be satisfied. I mean, I'm just guessing, I'm just speculating, but yes, I think that it will hopefully lead into other bigger things on other shows, and we'll go crazy with it. Paul says, do you think Naomi should join the bloodline and go for the SmackDown women's title? Absolutely, they don't use her enough. Sarah says, in the 80s, there was Hogan, Macho Man, Warrior. In the 90s, there was Austin, Michaels, Brett, Undertaker. 2000s, Triple H, Roxena. Aside from your tribal chief, who do you feel are the bona fide superstars of modern wrestling? Well, you put Cena in the 2000s. So, bona fide stars. Yes, Roman Reigns. Absolutely. I think Edge. Do we mention Edge? No. I mean, it doesn't really work because he kind of, again, we talk about straddling. He straddles both. But hey, he's come back now. Daniel Bryan would be in there. Kenny Omega and probably a Carter, I suppose. I don't know. If you're just focusing on WWE, then it would be Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan. I forgot who else I said. <laughs> Edge. And that's three people. I think that might. Does that work? Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe Edge is a little bit meh. So Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan... And then who really, in WWE, who really screams kind of this era at the moment? I mean, yeah, no, that doesn't work. I was going to say Dolph Ziggler, that's ridiculous. Seth Rollins, that's who it is. It's Seth Rollins in WWE. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Foda men say, probably not right. Will Liv Morgan ever get the main, main event spot she deserves? I'm starting to think no. <laughs> they keep telling us to watch and then it doesn't change. So potentially not. JC, not from Sexy Third, says, if you correct, create a gimmick for one male and one female superstar, who would it be and what would their new gimmicks be? I would bring back a clown gimmick, but like the proper clown gimmick that used to be like it, like proper dark, screwed up clown. And I would give it to Kevin Owens. Don't know why I said that. I just think he'd be able to pull it off. I think it'd be really funny. And for a lady or a female wrestler, I would do a gimmick I wouldn't mind having another gimmick like China of a woman that fights a bunch of blokes and a bunch of dudes. 
it's difficult in WWE because they don't like portraying that for obvious reasons. But I wouldn't be against it. And I would give it to someone like Rhea Ripley. I think that'd be awesome. They're never going to do it. Kieran says, what was your immediate reaction to the fans chanting, we want Becky at the start of Charlotte versus Rhea? Also, how surprised are you that Nikki is champion? Uh, I assume we were going to get Becky Lynch chance because she's massively over and she'd been teasing all day that she was going to be there. So that was like opening the door to begin with. And no, I'm not massively surprised that Nikki Cross is the champion. I assumed they would cash in one of the briefcases early and not the other because that's what they usually do. I think it may be a little bit too early, but also I thought it was a great moment. So that's why I watch wrestling. So it's all good. Uh, Balaji says, were you a WCW guy or a WWE guy and why? I was a WWE guy because Bret Hart was the first wrestler I saw. So that was the first company I got involved with. But when WCW was really kicking ass in the late 90s, of course I looked here and there, even though I had my brand loyalty because that was the point. Everybody was massively intrigued. Daniel says, do you think we're going to get Kenny Omega versus Roman Reigns for WrestleMania? Only in your dreams. Carlito says, should Alexa Bliss be feuding with Nikki Ash instead of even Marie and Dewdrop? Alexa Bliss is the closest thing to a supervillain and Nikki and Alexa were tag partners when Alexa transformed into evil Alexa. Like I said, we could do that, but you could take a Shayna Baszler and do it as well. Shayna Baszler comes across like a villain. You know, she's hard-nosed and she's tough and she's going to beat you up. You could even do it with Nia Jax. So no, I don't think you have to go in that direction, but if you did, I would like it based on their history. And finally, we have I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to watch you wrestle. That's very kind, Chris. Thank you. Can you tell us anything about the AEW Sean Spears tag team search from a year ago? You had set the internet ablaze. Well, I mean, there's not much to, to say. I don't know what was... Uh, I don't know what was, if anything was planned, if anything not was planned. All I know is that they told us to send in tapes, so I sent in a tape because I thought it would be fun. A tape. I put something on the internet. I thought it would be fun for the ups and downs stuff, and they were very, very gracious and very, very kind to air a few seconds of it. I don't know if there was going to be anything else, but that was the week when the world shut down, so I try not to think about it just in case uh, anything was going to become of it. But all I know is I had a really awesome few days with everybody reacting and everybody having fun, and that's what I think wrestling is all about. So thank you to anybody that did scream and shout about that. Know that you made you made my day. And on that note, we shall wrap it up. Thank you for joining me as always. Again, if you do have any thoughts on this, come follow me on Instagram, Simon Miller 316 and Twitter. And just let me know. I love chatting wrestling as you'll be shocked to hear. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Simon 316 to keep this podcast going. And that's how I managed to finance it, etc. All of that. Simon.bigcartel.com for merchandise. Check out my YouTube channel. Search for Simon Miller. Thanks to Pins and Knuckles for always supporting and being very, very nice people and supporting the show, like I say. Otherwise, you take care of yourself. Make sure you have a good day. Just enjoy the wrestling as much as you can. And I'll talk to you on the next one.